When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the final episode of our Ryutama series, everyone. This is the very last episode of 2022 for us, and we have some extraordinary discussion in this episode to wrap up the end of the year. So stay tuned for that. Until then, here's what's coming up in our call to action after the show. This will probably be our last reminder about this, uh, but most of you are probably now getting ads in your feeds. We tried to make the transition as smooth as possible with as few interruptions as possible. And it seems to be working out pretty well so far. Mm-hmm. There will be two ad slots before the show and two slots after the show before the credits. But if that's still too many ads for you, we do have a deal for you in our call to action section after the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, we've got our normal sign offs, a special message for the end of the year. And a review. A review. So stay tuned for all of that, everybody. We are thankful to have you here with us, reading in the new year. So enjoy the show, everybody. our discussion episode. Last time we finished our session zero for Ryutama. This episode, we will be discussing the character creation process. We're excited to welcome back Amber Seeger from the Tabletop Babble podcast. Do you want to go ahead and reintroduce yourself for everyone and tell us a little bit about the character you made in our last episodes? Sure. Hi again, everybody. Uh, You can find me most of my stuff online at rocketorca.com. I'm a graphic designer. I own a TTRPG indie publishing company called The Cloud Curio. And the character that I made last time is a little gnome named Herschel, who is a minstrel, who is an attack. I would I clarify, he's an attack mis- minstrel. An attack minstrel. Right. Yeah. An attack minstrel who is a puppeteer uh, <laughs> that uh, is that's very important to note. Uh, he is very green as in that is the choice of color that he wears. Uh, and <laughs> he on his shoulder is perched a little tiny stuffed parrot and he's traveling because he wants to reintroduce puppetry to the world. Yeah. That is also not only an art form. Well, I guess it's it's art on two levels: entertainment and martial. Yes. So that's Herschel, and that's <laughs> who I made last time. Herschel, oh, Herschel! Amazing. 
Uh, Ryan, tell us a little bit about your character. All right. I made Elora. Uh, she is a young noble at the age of 19 uh, who is also a cat person with calico markings and auburn hair. Uh, she comes from a, a small-ish trading town from a from a noble family and the youngest of five kids. And all of her older siblings are well-versed in the family business, and she didn't really have much of a place there anymore, so she decided, I need to uh, use my inheritance for good of the world, uh, so let's invest in some art and find myself along the way. Uh, and and this puppetry thing sounded pretty sweet, so mm. why not? Mm. Solid investment. <laughs> why not? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Amelia, how about your character? Sure. I made Coraline. Um, I'm picturing Coraline actually as just, you know, a regular human lady. Um, she is an artisan. She specializes in fabric dyes. Um, and she is on this journey because she wants to invent a new color. Um, she dresses in various shades of pink, um, just lots of different layers of fabrics um you know you gotta be ready for for all weather situations if there's anything we in the midwest know it's the importance of layering um and and Coraline firmly believes in that as well mm-hmm. um and so she's off to basically mash up anything she can into some form of dye um and see if she can make a, a new color mm-hmm. she's not not as not as crazy as Herschel <laughs> but I do I do imagine her making tiny outfits for the puppets. Oh, so. absolutely. You have uh-huh. to already commission you to make tiny puppet or outfit, tiny puppet pu- outfits. Uh-huh. Tiny like, puppet this outfits. is this is not what I trained for. But yeah, sure. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> They're the best dressed puppets in all the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and dive right into a segment that we are calling D20 for your thoughts. D20 for your thoughts. So in this portion, we talk to our guests about their thoughts on the character creation process, how it went in this game um, compared to other games that you've played. But first, the cliche podcast question. Every time somebody's on a a tabletop RPG podcast, let's get it out of the way. How did you get into RPGs? Oh, boy. (laughs) I love these stories. I love these stories. Okay, good. Because I I have a really funny one where it's like... You know, I was growing up, I was a anime nerd, cartoons, comics, and like my brother and I did a lot of like story creation and stuff. Like we make our own little comics together and stuff. But in high school, there's like two, two, there's like two getting into RPGs. When I had my first introduction when I was like 11 years old and we were playing um, Heroes or no, 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 Champions is the game it was called. And I was 11 and I was bad at math and I had an experience where basically the GM was basically saying, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And I was like, ah, this is games not for me. aren't, this isn't going to be for me if this is what it's, what it's yeah. going to be like. So age 11 until like high school, I knew about Dungeons and Dragons. I saw kids playing it. I just was like, I'm not that kind of nerd. <laughs> like uh, that is not... you know for me and my friend josh kept like 
once I got out of high school, he kept being like, you'll love this. You like making characters. You get to draw your character. You get to do storytelling. It's really fun. And he just kept like little, you know, poking at me. And then he and then he got me to play. And then I played D&D 3.5 for seven years straight every other week. Mm. <laughs> so that that is a resistant, like a bad kind of like child experience with mm. it. Then um, I can't I'm not I'm not that kind of nerd to wow uh i'm doing this this is a huge portion of my life for all seven in years. Yeah. yeah all yeah. in just all in <laughs> yeah yeah you know i feel like that's that's not too dissimilar from from my journey mm-hmm. um which was like did it for a little bit broke up with my gm he killed my character and i was like oh, mm. don't, don't know about this um <laughs> and then like didn't play for a long time and then um you know like watched other people around me Starting to do it again and being like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll try it. And then, like, now here I am. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Amber, what do you look for in a system as far as character creation goes? Like, what sort of pieces need to be there for you uh, to create really great characters? That is a very good question. And it has evolved over time, right? Mm. Like, Maybe when I was younger and first getting into it, I would be really looking at just like, oh, I really like the art. This is really inspiring to me. And and then I, but I was also very reliant on GMs to help me through character creation. Mm. But now that I'm a GM and then also uh, I went to school for instructional design and I think about like user experience a lot. Um, a really good check, like a really good order of operations of like, this is number one, do this. Number two, do this. Number three, do this. I think that really needs to be there for me at the beginning before I can really like be creative in character creation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cause if, if you get confused during character creation, it, it becomes more about the frustration than it is. A, and then like, then you don't really want to create stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It derails um, like the creative momentum. Right. And so that's kind of like what I look for now is like, is there a good like order of operations, a good checklist of, of that's very clear, concise that takes you through and the character sheet like reinforces that like the character sheet has to like follow that flow as well as people are making stuff. Um, then when it comes to creative things, like, I really like it when, like, in, for instance, in Ryutamo, just like the personal item thing, like that mm-hmm. only exists really to add flavor. But one of the things I really like about in like other uh, systems, like um, Powered by the Apocalypse, is when you have like bonds and stuff. Mm-hmm. That is also like anything that helps the players connect with each other, like their PCs connect with each other, is also something that I really like look for in character creation too mm-hmm. yeah definitely i i think anything that helps you kind of buy in and and avoid that like meeting in a tavern situation yes. really really mm-hmm. helps me out a lot and i like yeah. the ability to kind of play off of other people and and say like well if you're doing this then it would make sense for me to do that right. um it, it builds sort of like a party unity too mm-hmm. We like to look at our character sheets and kind of see what they tell us about the game. It's sort of your first interaction with play is is the character sheet. Um, we had a number of issues in this one yep. when we were, were kind of 
playing with the character sheets. So what do you think? I know you mentioned you have kind of made your own. Um, so like, wh- I'm interested in what things you felt you needed to change or what has helped you with that? Yeah, it's one of those cases. I don't know if you all are uh, great British Bake Off uh, watchers mm-hmm. or not, but uh, <laughs> Paul will usually say, you know, style over substance. And I, unfortunately for Ryutama, I think they try to stylize this in a way that kind of overrides basic uh, user experience stuff. Mm. So the the character creation I did for my session zero on Shapeshift, the podcast that this my first campaign was recorded on, one of my players was like really new to RPGs and I started out using these character sheets and they got really confused. I think even you, Ryan, were like, wait, there's a condition bar here. What does that mean? Yeah. And it's it's nothing to do with the actual like character creation process. That's something that happens later on as you're playing the game. Mm-hmm. And so my player was going through this and was feeling like they didn't do a good job filling it out because there were so many blanks or stuff. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of empty boxes left over. Right. And so I immediately was like, and this kind of like push, I've already been redesigning character sheets in the past. Like I redesigned my 3.5 character sheet um, back when I was in that campaign for seven years. Mm. Um, But this one was my like third, I think, one that I like was playing around with because the way that information was set up in here didn't really help with the actual step process like Mm -hmm. you had to be like wait uh, on this side of the sheet i have this stuff or what does that slash mean you know like i'm supposed Mm -hmm. to put two classes here or is it class and something else and it's like no that's for later on um like that kind of stuff is the is the things where if you don't like we talk about playtesting games you should also be playtesting your character sheet and character creation in games as well because that's the kind of stuff that really prevents people, like I said earlier, like that frustration. Mm-hmm. So like another big style over substance thing in here is like, you know, the strength. They added these giant icons that I'm like, I love the intent behind them. But mm-hmm. I'm also like, does it really help at all? Could you have used that space more wisely with stuff? Right. Um, there's a lot of stuff also on this character sheet where it's like, talking to you about like the der- the terrain and weather boxes are on here mm-hmm. but you don't that's, that's not, not related really to your, your character. character yeah right so um this is where i talk about this is where i get real nerdy <laughs> go for it <laughs> <laughs> because one of my other like passions is like information organization and i actually have on my website a blog series about designing better better character sheets and I talk a lot about like what's active information versus like passive information. Mm-hmm. And in the TTRPG world, in the TTRPG world, specifically around character sheets, when I mean active, it's like stuff the player is going to be co- like looking at and referring to mm-hmm. the entire time they're playing the game. Like the majority of the things that they need to do in order to move through the game is what's active and passive stuff like things that come up maybe once in the session or maybe once one or every two like the terrain stuff that's Mm -hmm. passive that's not something you need to do to like hit something or to cast a spell right it's a fact that's important to know but you're not using 
Right. Right. And like even like your like your character information, like your name and your, you know, your color, your items, that kind of stuff. That's more passive, too, because it's like you you as you're playing your character know in your mind what your character looks like. You Mm -hmm. don't need to be constantly reminded that your character's name is this, that, you know, whatever, or your Mm -hmm. experience. So when I looked at this sheet uh, and I was, my players, they were like, Amber, please, can you you please redesign this? Um, And I will hopefully by the time this episode gets out, I'll put something up on my website so people can see where I, how I went, um, what it looked like and where it went to with my stuff. Mm -hmm. But but I tried to do that. I tried to put their active stuff forward, like especially like things like their like your character classes, right? Like where on here do you like your your class and skill stuff is on your on the sheet that is with your XP and your character name, but it's not underneath your stats when mm-hmm. that's really important to have your stat information near the things and the skills that you yep. need to roll with, right? Like. Right. Now it's on a different page. So now you're like, oh, wait, what's my, what do I need to do for a knowledge tradition check? Mm. Oh, it's my int, int. Now I have to flip the page over and go look at what my int, int is, right? Oh, that's so I try to keep things related to each other that yeah. work together. So I love Ryutama, but this is definitely, the character sheet was definitely mm-hmm. a, a stumbling block for my players and for me when we first yeah started playing with this game and and i'm sitting here filling it out on the pdf right so yeah. the sheets are side by side there i thought this was just a horizontal character sheet mm. uh like landscape mode in in yeah and to know that it's traditionally on like a front and back front and back yeah. that's that's even more mind-boggling like the amount yeah. of flipping of this character sheet would be ridiculous yes. It, it it was and and my players were like oh oh god <laughs> i i and like and that's one of the things that i i also talk about is like user experience design is like empathetic design like mm-hmm. you have to put yourself yeah in that person's shoes and you just don't want to be like ah oh, well they'll, they'll deal with it mm-hmm. it's like ah, no but do do they have to you you what as me as a graphic designer it's like or a, an information designer, I don't want people have to work harder. I want people to work less to mm-hmm. be able to interact with the thing that I'm. I want them to enjoy, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but I also approach things in a way as an ADHD person, like something like this character sheet is just overwhelming because there's just too much information. There's so many boxes. There's mm-hmm. so many boxes. So many boxes. I could be very nitpicky about like line weights and font sizes and mm-hmm. font choices as well. Um, I'm not going to get too into it, but there's. Like, did some... I need the giantest box to be for like my image color slash appearance and like yeah. hometown? Mm-hmm. Like, no. and then, um, but then your master weapon is like the size of like you know how yeah. much you I had to write like really and, tiny. And what if yeah. you get three of them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, there's no spots on here to write anything about my magic stuff nope oh yeah mm-hmm. i had to make a magic sheet for um my player there was no spot for a carrying capacity Mm-mm. yeah so it's, it seems like there's some key information that's missing it's it's a little out of place i think this is one of the first character sheets we've been like hyper critical of 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I can kind of see it working once it's all filled out a little bit, especially if you're printing it both sheets in a landscape mode, but then your font's smaller and yada, yada, yada. But like... Um, yeah, still. I mean, a thing that we often talk about is like, if I look at the character sheet, does it give me a sense of what things are going to be prominent in the game what things i'm going to be using what i'm going to be doing mm-hmm. yeah in the game and like the things that are more important should be sort of at the forefront they should be bigger you know like you look at a D sheet and it's like you can very clearly see like here is my weapon here are my stats yeah. mm-hmm. here are you know like all of those kinds of things and obviously like you you want to avoid having so many sheets you know like nobody wants like five pages and i recognize that like you know, spaces at a premium. <laughs> like there's right. only so many things that you can, you know, do on there. Um, but like it is not clear from this that like journeying is really Yeah, no. A part of it. It's like I've got my skills, I've got like my strength and that kind of stuff, like in these yeah. big bold numbers. And then like there's you know, like the well, stuff about the terrain and everything. I mean but, the like, terrain and weather kind of gives me the feeling that a journey through places is kind of big with the game i just remember as i'm doing this thinking oh my god the eraser marks yeah Yeah. that's true too yeah for the yeah um i yeah (laughs) like i almost feel like there needs to be like a separate journey sheet which i think there is right oh i would like to i was about i'm trying to find stuff for you guys but basically what i did was you know okay this is to show you the kind of what i had to fixate on stuff so I have I have a I have a my GM book, mm-hmm. and you know I have my start. I would make a map for the starting town. Here's my Ryujin's sheet. I'm trying to show this to you all. So I'm sorry if there's crinkle noises coming through everybody. I actually had my MPs my PCs, so I knew what they what their what their roles oh, were yeah. for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and everybody got this. Everybody got a journey sheet, and I'm trying to find it right now. Everybody got the journey rules, which I had redone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To look very clean and nice. Um, and that's what you need separately. It's like, you don't need the traveling rules on your character sheet. Like, that should yeah. just be a separate thing. And that's what I wanted to go... I was going to touch on the whole, like, idea of, oh, man, I have five sheets. This is too many sheets. That's not really a problem if the information is, like, super clear and where it's supposed to be. Right. Like, right. if right, right, you... Right know that i just have to go to the journey the journey sheet for this information and it's here like there's uh, again i won't go super hardcore cognitive behavior in on you guys but like there is (laughs) method there's reasons why Mm. if you do things if things are organized better you could put stuff in front of people forever like there's the tolerance of of going through a thing is is like higher if it's clear and understandable as you go. Right. And I'm a big fan of like handouts in games and yep. you know that kind of stuff. And I think something like a journey sheet or like a world building sheet or something like that too is is useful like as like for the table too. Yep. Which makes it a little bit mm-hmm. different because I know in a lot of my groups like I'm sort of become like the designated note taker because I'm that is the kind of person that I am. Yeah. And so that like afterwards people are like, okay, tell us what happened. <laughs> and I'm fine with right. that. Um, yeah. 
if you're cool with taking on some of that responsibility too, if you're the kind of person that has like, you're okay bearing that cognitive load. Yeah. yeah. And and to be fair, I mean, Retime, it does have a lot of these supplemental sheets in the back of the book that you would print off or copy with, with the character sheet, but the, None it of feels, them were it, for magic. It, there is. There is a notes sheet for recording spell songs and other things. And it's just a yeah, blank it's, like, it's, it's just a blank sheet. It's just a blank sheet. sheet though. Like it's just exactly. called like notes. It's, it's, it's not for magic. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. So it's it's a little clunky. It's it's like it feels like your characters are gonna have like five or six sheets on the clipboard uh to be able to fully utilize the character. Sounds like a nightmare for an AP, honestly. It, 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 but I, the way, because like I designed stuff in a way yeah. that didn't have to be that clunky. So basically, right. it was like, because I'm, again, I'm super extra. So I, I don't think every GM should be expected to do this or be held to this level. I just love making packets and writing instructions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. basically, I would, after our first like, kerfuffle like going through all of this and one of my players having a hard time making a character after like the fourth session i made everybody a packet and i redesigned everything for everybody and um basically it was like here's your character sheet and again i'll put this up on my blog so that everybody can see what i did Mm -hmm. um and i'll make sure you guys get the link whenever i post it but basically it was like here's everything you need to do to actually operate as a character Mm -hmm. Here is the journey rules. Here is the quartermaster's inventory sheet. You know, here is your magic book. I made a magic spell book for my my magic player that had the rules. Everybody had a combat sheet, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and I made them a little folder for all of their things so that they could then just use that. And then yeah. once we got that down, it was like, okay, everybody just look at your combat sheet. Get the combat sheet out. We're going into combat now. And then it was it, we did better, um, right? But this is the have to do. All but you of shouldn't that. have right. to do that. And I'm not saying a GM should have done that. Like a, you don't have right. to do that. You should, right. and you shouldn't have to. Um, but it's one of those like learning experiences interacting with this that's made me think about how I design like game mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. because. Yeah, if if you got into this and you're like, I want to make an actual play, like you just yeah. said, it's like, man, this sounds like like people are just gonna be turning sheets and there's gonna be a lot of noise and right. it's gonna be horrible. Um, but I also kind of recorded in a way that was very like, all right, we're in travel mode right now. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Now we're in city mode. Now I, I, I'm very curious, like how close these translated sheets are in form to the original, original. 2007 sheets because if yeah. it's if it's like a one-to-one for everything uh i can easily see because this is 2007's that in between that was 15 years ago oh, before yeah. before oh, God, the indie boom before people cared about accessibility as much uh you know all that sort of stuff it was like post super crunchy rules yeah. like things were starting to find their way in and and I can kind of see from that perspective the the sheets being kind of like a well I just need the information out there it doesn't matter how many sheets they use um and, and this is kind yeah. of the the form that I want it to be in without and thinking, yeah you're kind of trying to translate one for one yeah in a way that doesn't yeah yeah quite, so like quite. 2014 2015 you're looking at it and it's like well this isn't perfect but you know let's just translate it and 
and get it out there uh, because we want to keep the the original experience from the Japanese version right? and move that over to English. I can see that being the kind of course of actions that led us to this point. Mm-hmm. Now, if this game were designed today, uh, I can I can definitely imagine that these sheets would look completely different. Mm-hmm. Yes, probably, especially because now you can hire people like me to do your user yeah. experience, like feedback or design to begin with, which I have done for people for character sheets specifically. Yeah, um, because it's one of those things where you don't think about it really, you know. But mm-hmm. it's such a major part of the game. Exp- like that's like that's how someone's going to be interacting with your players are primarily interacting with your game via a character yes. sheet, you know? So, yeah. And like I said, I think it's like the first sort of hands-on thing that you, we talk to a lot of people that, you know, that their start in role-playing games was like, well, I found this book and I just created a bunch of characters. Yeah. You know, it's one of those mm. first things that you see too. And if you, if you stumble already at character creation, yeah. um, how often is that, stopping people from getting a lot further right Right. like if i can't understand how to make a character how am i gonna play it right exactly and that's why (laughs) it's why um uh i remember i can't remember what year it was but it was pre-pandemic going to gen con i used to do tons of panels and one of the panels i put on uh i think it was like the second or third time i was doing it was designing better character sheets and the pathfinder 2e sheet came out and like immediately um i was getting tagged by people who knew that i like did character sheet redesign and they're like look at this and i went oh no oh my eyes <laughs> i guess i have another image i can use in my presentation thanks uh-huh. so, um but it, it's it's because i don't think again talk, going back to like people like if you <sighs> Going back to my whole statement, like empathy, like good user design is empathetic design. It's like you need to be thinking about you you don't know who's going to be approaching your book for the first time. Right. Right. And it could be somebody who has dyslexia or in my case, ADHD and immediately shuts down when I see too much stuff like in front of me. And I don't know how to to, you know, suss through it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you want people to play your game or buy your game or you know get excited about your game and this is like the primary mode that someone's going to experience your game and it's confusing or overwhelming or frustrating then you just lost potentially a customer or multiple customers because they don't want to bring it to their friends you know mm-hmm. so yeah anyway that's my soapbox <laughs> yeah i mean and there's definitely a feeling like i said because there's so many empty boxes too that you're like did I'm I missing. do this wrong? Yeah. Did I, you know, like you're flipping through and mm-hmm. trying to Which, find where do things go? And you know, like, I like it to be clear, especially in creation too. Like you've told me to do this thing. Where do I put it? Right. Exactly. I, I just want to point out something that you said, did I do this wrong? Yeah. This is such a common consumer thought that mm-hmm. they, we don't even consider that the person who designed a thing did something wrong. Right. I, in my previous mm. non-RPG life, when I worked in consumer goods and did user experience with physical products, and they were working with prototypes, and I knew for a fact the prototype had problems, it wasn't, oh, the prototype is wrong. It's, I did this wrong. Yeah. And it's like... It's not you, I promise you. You <laughs> are not broken. You I are not even, broken. Like thought about that. That like, you know, it's like 
the number of games that I've looked at and it's like it is still my reaction of like yeah my friend what step did I miss yeah my friend Sally has always uh been like I feel like I'm not getting something like I'm I'm the one missing something I was like no they 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 have failed you (laughs) right (laughs) in some way uh but it is a very interesting consumer behavior that I've I've witnessed over the course of like 15 years of working in this like watching people world it's like no one will ever think it's their fault they will mm-hmm. or no one will ever think it's the designer's fault or or this they just think something's wrong with them yeah well because i think your first thought is like this has been focus grouped and tested yes. and it, you know like it's a book it has legitimacy it's been- right like someone <laughs> put it on paper and i paid for it so clearly somebody knew something like yeah yeah, yeah that's interesting that's very interesting, but you're right. Yeah, that's my first reaction. Is what? Where did? Where did I miss something? What did right. I do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, that kind of leads us into how how does the character creation in Raytama stack up to other systems we played? I know we got the the clunky character sheet discussion out of the way, but aside from that, what do we think about it? Um. So. I- Okay, so on this show, generally, we're, like, pretty positive about the games, unless it's a game that we're, like, we know this one. Like, we did Shadowrun, and we're, like, this is ridiculous. You know, we did um, Deadlands, and we had a lot to say about, like, trying to find things in the book. Um, You know, we we did Heroes Unlimited. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But this one, it's, like, I really like as we're going through the premise of the game and what playing the game is like and and stuff, I was like really, really into it. And as we're going through character creation, I'm like getting less and less into it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, as I start like interacting with some of that stuff. And that's not to say that like the experience of playing it probably, you know, like probably still is great, but it's like the process is sort of turning me off to it because I, I didn't feel like it connected me with what we were doing. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I connected with the other characters that we made very well um, because the world building, like, we, we have nothing really right. aside from, like, what we made. And I do understand that, like, travel and, and journeying and, like, discovery along the way is is part of it. But, like... It, it feels like it would be f- more fun to play these characters than it was to create them. Which like, is not usually where we land. Right. It was interesting. It's very weird. It's very um, weird. I, I think if I think if we did full world building and then, you know, town creation and 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 whatnot, maybe uh it would be a little bit more interesting. But also there's no like relationship binding mm-hmm. mechanics in the character creation process either. So these are I don't feel like particularly tied to this person. Right. These are three individuals that have their own goals and we kind of had to force ourselves to say these this is how we're going to connect ourselves. Yeah, but like we didn't give them any flaws. We didn't nope. give them any strengths. Like I don't feel like this is a person. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why it's not the focus of the game right this game obviously is not focused on characters mm-hmm. like it's obviously really trying to put forth the travel stuff yeah mm-hmm. first and foremost it's really interesting which is 
like I said, if you're playing a, if you're like, for me, like I remember making characters and we had to do a lot of work to make it all like our session zero was three hours long because we had to spend a lot of time getting it all to like everybody to like make sense together as why they would all be traveling together why they did this i had to come up with a whole guild system that was like there's a reason why you all know each other in the first place it's not in a tavern it's this thing instead where you get to like pick jobs and things Mm -hmm. and this is why you're brought here and we had to do like a lot of of that massaging to make the bonds happen whereas games like um oh shoot like i but even like in the part where it's like you're picking your class the the skills aren't really exciting mm-hmm. no you know, um, no i was looking at like trapping and i'm like what is that like that has nothing to do with what i want right exactly so mm-hmm. it's like when i earlier i think in the last episode i mentioned i want there to be more that's the more that i'm missing the yeah. more is the how do you create a deeper character or things that are more exciting like even the spells like mm-hmm. there i wish there was more strong cohesive things yeah. about this game that made me feel more invested earlier on and not five sessions in yeah right. it's interesting because right. like the the one bit of personality you get is that personal item yes right and, and aside from that it feels very like this is what you get and yeah. that's it but mm-hmm. also very JRPG inspired, right. right? Because that is a lot of the genre of like, this is what you're starting out as. This is what you get. Yep. There's no personality to like look at Final Fantasy one and you've got choose your class and then now your class can do stuff and you get things at specific levels and then that's it. Right. Right. So it, it right. kind of follows that sort of uh, line of reasoning too, right. which makes sense. So, mm-hmm. so like thinking about it against like other games I've played and made characters in, I don't look at Rutama and go, "All right, I'm going to get like in like fun, exciting, interpersonal role play with people." Whereas mm-hmm. if I go to Monster Hearts two. I know we're going to be like really role playing with each other mm-hmm. and then there's going to be this. So it's like okay, these are two these are different games. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. And the character creation in in Ryutama is not set up for role play. Yeah. Like right. at, at the character creation process is not set up for role play. Which is yeah. interesting because when we talked about it it felt like that is kind of a it's like a part of what's point happening of the game. because like you're you're doing all of this journeying and it's like well it's that, yeah and that's more like on. in the in the play of the game but right, not necessarily right. the character creation and mm-hmm. i think yeah. that is i think it could be better in that regard yeah mm-hmm. like if it had even just a little bit more questions like mm-hmm. there was also i think there's games out there i'm not i can't remember the systems where it's like you could ask questions of each other mm-hmm. yeah a lot of powered in. by the apocalypse games have that kind of stuff yeah i think uh one i played had it was like a circus one i can't remember what it's called a carnival one i can't remember they had like everybody asked questions of each other mm-hmm. that does not exist in this character creation all it cares about is yeah i don't know stats stats your stats and it would be it would be interesting color. if they did make a second edition of this game and they brought in like the more modern concepts of role-playing games and role-playing character creation and all that sort of stuff because 
we didn't really see much of that in the mid 2000s in right, terms yeah. of like how how you create characters how you create parties that sort of stuff so if they brought that sort of stuff into yeah, like sort a, of design sensibilities have definitely changed. Oh exactly. yeah, I keep we have to keep I keep having to remind myself. Yeah, this is old. This <laughs> right. is very old. This <laughs> came out in Japan when I was uh, graduating high school. So like, it, yeah. it's 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 older, and you know, I think I'm yeah. I my my experiences changed from that. I mean, because like even when I first started D and D, like playing D and I didn't know you could describe your spells. Yeah. I thought you just right. said I cast magic missile, I cast fireball, and yep. like, you know, right? It looks like magic. The end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Why and I think I you know, like the birth of sort of like actual plays and things like that. I think have changed how a lot of people view what role playing can be too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to hear yeah. some of that. Um, in the interest of time, I know our our next two questions. It feels like we've kind of, you know. Yeah, we we've already. kind of covered the one of the so. biggest flaws of character creation, but. Uh, what what's your favorite part? I don't think I have a favorite part oh. <laughs> to be quite honest. Like, um, I have a feeling it might be that personal item. Yeah, it's probably the personal item, and then like that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I I think I think the part I like about this is making up like combining the type and class is really fun. But yeah. again, I wish there was more to it, more than just. You know, like I can make a, an attack minstrel, which is hilarious to yeah. me. I like that. I wish there was more of that. Um, and I think that was the general uh, feel uh, as well for um, my players, too. They're like, oh, it's really cool to have these seven characters types. But like, I wish there was more. I wish they were more varied and more right. interesting, more nuanced. Yeah. And um, I, I wish that it gave you the tools to like mash them together a little bit more because it like it was like pick this thing and pick this thing and then it was like we were left to kind of come up with like yeah what does that look like and i would i would have liked a little more um like not not guidance necessarily but like um just more just more more like (laughs) more like you know because it was it was like they didn't really talk at all about how any of those things work together no no not until like later on you like also do magic Mm mm-hmm yeah. yeah, and it, it was really, like, okay, it, and like none of the th- the spells really like gave me the opportunity to like combine my class with the yeah, magic. Yeah. It was just like, oh, also you do magic, here's some spells. And right. it was like, but I don't know that it really have anything to do with so like close. how I envision my character. Right. It's right. it's like on the cusps of a bunch of different things that if they if they were able to push it a little further and combine a few more modern sensibilities mm-hmm. into the design, I think it it could really knock it out of the park for the character creation for this uh, sort of game. Absolutely. Definitely. So, like, let's go ahead and get into our, our fanfic section where we pretend that we're going to play this game. Um, because we we don't really have anything. You know, usually we come into this and it's like we've, we've got yeah. a couple strings to pull on and interesting things that we want to talk about and flesh out more, but we don't really have anything. Well, there... I, I don't know. There's a few really interesting questions I think that we kind of hinted at. Like, what happened to puppetry in this world? Like, oh. like why do you want to bring it back? Why is it gone? I why was it's... it big before? Like, was it really big before? Or is it just like, you're like, I'm going to make it big? I think, hmm, the... I've been watching, I watch a lot of Game of Thrones. I like political <laughs> intrigue. Me so too. in my head, it's like, okay, 
why would puppetry be like a dwindling thing? Well, obviously someone had some sort of vendetta against it because he saw like some rich, powerful person saw himself being depicted poorly in a puppet play. Mm. And he said, ah, all puppets are banned (laughs) and banded across the land. The Burgermeister Meister Burger complex. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then it just kind of like, it was like, oh, you don't really do this. But I also wonder too, if, if it got banned and like fell out of fashion and that kind of stuff, like there's also an artistry to being able to, do puppeteering and to like make the puppets and that right. kind of stuff like the sort of like quote unquote like infrastructure around puppeteering yeah. right <laughs> like oh is that you puppet know regu- <laughs> puppet regulation oh, they got <laughs> well puppet, and just puppet like underground. you know like i i mean like the puppet supply line like the puppet right. supply chain yeah. you know like who, yeah do you know somebody who can like make these puppets do you make them yourself do you you know like is that there's obviously like not a huge call for like tickets to puppet shows right. like how do you do you know oh you go to the underground puppet shows yeah oh my yes. gosh so oh, scandalous yeah. the underground yes. puppet shows you got upper mm-hmm. underground puppet battles and yeah <laughs> oh yes because they are apparently there is an art, art well. to it maybe that's part of it too it's like not only were puppets sp- spreading anti uh anti monarchy uh propaganda but they're also assassins <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yes yes so like they're the considered of- like dangerous and treasonous yeah like, yeah no because who who uh who suspects the pup like you could go uh from the ceiling uh or the skylights probably were popular in this world you could just pop it right? on down just pop it on down and nice <laughs> little stabby stab you're good to go <laughs> no oh. fingerprints because it was done by a puppet <laughs> Oh, I love the idea of like, you know, a puppet government. Oh, no, pu- <laughs> <laughs> that. Oh, man, it works on so many levels, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, but like, just like I just was like, I thought about like people like the idea of this all came to me when we're, I was thinking about like, how can I make I want to be an artist or a minstrel, but also I want to be attacking. And I was like, yo-yos as weapons. Why not puppets as weapons? Yeah. You know? And I like to imagine like you got like a. Uh, all sorts of different like factions of puppetry where it's like there's combat, like hand-to-hand martial puppet stuff. Mm-hmm. But like if you want to go even bigger in this world, it's like if you think about um oh uh, shoot, like a JRPG, one of my favorite JRPGs is called Rhapsody, a musical adventure. Mm. It's super I don't know if it's obscure. Maybe somebody out there listening knows what I'm talking about, but it's about a girl who can talk to puppets. Mm. And so she, and she can also summon puppets. So I was like, oh, wouldn't it be great to be able to summon these constructs too that are puppets and stuff one day? Like that's like, that's the ultimate goal. Oh yeah. Is you can summon a puppet army or summon a puppet, you know, (laughs) Baphomet or whatever. (laughs) Bahamut. (laughs) Oh, that would be wild. And I can just see it in my mind, like this, like, pixel version like an isometric mm-hmm. view and like these puppets are flying down from the <laughs> sky <laughs> or you just oh. have one big one and it just yeah. goes boom <laughs> oh that sounds amazing well I, you can do so much with puppets from like the small little things to like muppet sized things to you know big giant effectively machined right mm-hmm. that you could manipulate to 
to do various things. I think that could be a really fascinating uh, thing to explore during the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Puppets. Puppets. See, and like that is like so much like deeper of a concept where I was just like, what can I make? Yeah. Well, I want to make a thing. But I mean, okay, so now you want to make colors that haven't really been made before, right? Things mm-hmm. that don't exist in nature that we know of. Uh, and and things that you can uh, kind of put a, your own like unique artistic flair on things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what what would have driven your character to pursue that? Is there like something in this world that like people uh, are we like a group of rebels in this world? If puppetry is rebellious, like is going against the norm of color rebellious or i don't know um, i am i I, looking too far into it yes um no because like (laughs) and that's and i think that is potentially like one of the the flaws of this is that like the scale on which we are operating is like very different like mine is much more like it's like this sort of like interpersonal journey of like i yeah i want to have this thing to my name because like i imagine like we're in this coastal town we're seeing a lot of trade coming in from different places a lot of like new and exciting and interesting things and i think there's this feeling as a person that's like settled in this town rather than like someone coming in or out of like i have to have something to contribute to this like wider yeah Mm. put your stamp on the world right right and so like mine is much more of like a like a personal journey okay rather like it's not something it is. I mean, it is still outward in a way of like I. I want to put this thing out in the world, but the the reason I do is is for me. It's not because I'm trying to like bring right. back something that was banned, banned and show the world this thing and like recruit yeah. other people to be able to do yeah, it. It's yeah, yeah. just like I. This is a need that I need to fulfill to like prove to myself that I can. That makes sense. Right. And so it's like we're operating on a very different scale there. Yeah. Yeah. So like. And because your character, Ryan, as you just want to just use your money to, you just basically found us and we're just like, all right, uh-huh. here's some money. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> like what, like what if I found the, the puppetry stuff first? It intrigued me and I'm not like deeply rooted into the, the history of why puppetry is banned or anything like that. Like I know about it. I learned about it, but it was just always like uh, an aside thing. And maybe it was a long time ago. I also wonder, like, if you have this sort of, like, noble background, are you coming at it from, like, a very different, like, political view of, like, you know, like, your family would potentially be the people that, like, these shows were aimed at? Mm. Oh, yeah. Maybe. So, like, was what you were taught about, like, it was banned and it was, like, this was good for the people because it brought peace and... You know, like no more dissenters. Yeah, right. but then I, but then I maybe stumbled into an underground puppet show and was just like, "This is um, why this is amazing. This why is not is anything it? like what I was taught." Yeah, like this is like the creativity that goes into these shows and everything. Yeah. And then, and then maybe I found, uh, I found our our puppeteer, um, and and thought, well, you know how can I help to make this better? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe it was like the, the clothing or something like that on, on your puppets wasn't the greatest. Yeah. Right. Maybe better. Like, yeah. like you, cause you're good at the woodworking and 
the machinery of it all, but then the clothing, you're just like, well, you need clothes. Here you go. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I like, just which it, again, I just been still, pasting mushrooms on them, essentially. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Which again, so. like, you know, like I, I do think we can go interesting places there, but again, as like sort of a, I feel like, like I don't want to say like a fault of the game that it's just sort of like, oh, um, puppets were closed, so now Amelia's character could be here. Well, you know? yeah, and it's like it's like at this point in time, you kind of need to. There's a lot of work that you would have to do to make it work. There's not a lot of good. Mm-hmm. tools in the game mm-hmm. itself right. and i was lucky in that i had a good group of players when i first started this and as a gm i had experience already jamming things so i kind of knew how to put to get things together to make a goal and kind of how to like massage things to kind of make sense right mm-hmm. right um so after that like it's it's one of those things too where we didn't really talk a lot about the goals and like we just did like a couple lines of like what's intrinsically motivating each character so that i understand and then i kind of set a scene to show how you guys were all like how everybody got together mm-hmm. and then we kind of built the plot as we went yeah because it turned out eventually that one of the characters really was against capitalism mm-hmm. and i was like all right so the big bad is capitalism how am i gonna enter enter put this into the game which turned into exploiting a workforce and then yeah for MacGuffins and then it's like then the campaign started to build itself and like the story things and like the hooks I could drop in happened but yeah to make everything cohesive at the beginning it feels like a lot of work it feels like it it was like I said our session zero was like three hours long yeah exactly yeah Um, it feels like it, it and again some of that probably is the fact that like the goal of the game is this this journey but like it it feels like it leaves a lot of things too open yeah Yeah. for probably for some people for sure like i i feel like if you're the kind of person who just wants to like all right we're just gonna make these like this works really well for one shots i will Mm -hmm. say that very well like i i've written several modules just one shots that are like because like the personal personal object is just enough to like have people springboard they can bring it up every once in a while and that's mm-hmm. all i need for like a three-hour one shot right um but for a campaign like but the game itself it doesn't feel set up for like a true long campaign for me mm-hmm. um but i'm kind of older like i can do like for me a campaign i'm used to my friend josh who wants to run campaigns for like five years yeah um, yeah no it should have a, a defined like we talked about that on one episode that a lot of campaigns end up sort of being unsatisfied because they have a beginning and a middle and a middle and, no, and a, middle, a middle and a middle, and a middle. yeah and then they kind of <laughs> just like Whoosh. yeah and so i was i i had you know as a player for as long as i was too i went into this going i want to get you know 12 sessions right and right, which i think we, is a good we can probably get up to maybe but they cap out level wise like you do level your characters um and they cap out i think at level 10 is like okay. the highest mm-hmm. level so yeah then if you're picking that like double xp object for oh, your, yeah. you know like you've you've settled they they scaled they scaled up fast um Mm -hmm. which is fine because that meant my they got to we got to i wanted to experience the full breadth of this game um before i went on i think this kind of game this character creation is it's set up you you kind of yeah you have to bring a lot to it and Mm -hmm. if you're kind of person who wants to bring a lot to it i think part of probably the reason why character creation is so feels weird too is like there's not a setting you also are the setting creator for this 
as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, so I have a lot of work I have to do in order for us to like get into it, you know? And I don't, and again, like doing the setting second. Yeah, doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it makes character creation harder because it was a lot of like, you know, like, what is your look? And it was like, well, like Ryan was like cat person. And I was like, okay, so now you've, define this thing about the world like we yep. haven't yeah. like, touched on any of that like exactly um it, it doesn't give you a lot to hook onto and I, I also think that like the world building stuff that was in the book is like pretty like it was you know it was like a system of government and then it kind of defined what a system of government is right and it was like it didn't you know like help you ask specific questions or kind of right along and, and, and it, it feels very much a product of its type um, right. which which makes sense. I, I really wish they would do a second edition of this game because the the building blocks are all there. Yeah. And you just add the proper extra little bits and, and this could really shine, I think. Yeah, there's a lot here that just like got really close and yeah. Absolutely. Didn't get there. Yeah. Um so through all of that, still in the fanfic portion, I think our character goals would be to change the law, right? Yeah. Like we're journeying through the country to go town to town to do puppet shows. To bring the good word of puppetry. Bring good word yes. of puppetry and to discover uh, the pigment that doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. And by the time we get to the end, we want our puppets decked out in this new pigment color to really wow the rulers of the kingdom to change yep. the rules. <laughs> this, that sounds great. I'm, I want some kind of tie between this pigment and the rulers. Like, is this like a royal color or like a mystical, like sought after MacGuffin thing? Oh yeah. Like a, right. like a fabled mm. color that never existed. And now it's like maybe the visor of the royal court or whatever recognizes this color has significance yeah i wonder if there's like some kind of fable of like yeah. it was a member of the royal family that made it and that is the reason that they get to rule like i i, I would like that to be tied to some sort of like you know over more than just uh yeah this came from a, a rare plant yeah right right i would love to have it like some political significance to this color too yeah that sounds fascinating mm-hmm Absolutely. And then, like, it would be really interesting for your character, the noble character, to be, like, discovering this knowledge along the way as we're playing it. And then it's like we because, like, that's a big thing about the noble is, like, the education and then being able to get information out of other people, too. So it's Mm -hmm. like you are helping you're using your status to help us get information to then. Find and I think to like grant us a level of legitimacy too. Yes. It's like okay, but, but like we have this noble with us, so it's fine. Yeah, right. I'm yeah. trying to de. I'm trying to destigmatize puppetry, and right. yeah, and uh, we're gonna do it. Yeah, and then having a noble like showing support of it is gonna help <laughs> that Absolutely. destigmatization. And I think like yeah, maybe like this color being attached to like the royal family or something like that mm-hmm. it, you know it's like if we start outfitting yeah. your puppets in those colors like Ooh. it becomes immediately more subversive uh-huh. yes. <laughs> absolutely 
Mm-hmm. Well, see, now we did it. We we tied our, we ourselves it. all together. Somehow, somehow, <laughs> we made ah. the puppets make sense. And I can, that, I can that, see how this campaign would flow. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's that's interesting. Now now I can see that there is this journey from our small little village to the the royal palace uh to to get these laws changed and and make the world a better place with puppets. Through the force of combat puppetry. Through the yeah. force of combat puppetry. If necessary. <laughs> if necessary. I don't uh, I don't use force unless it's necessary. Uh-huh. Right. Amazing. <laughs> We got there. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Um, so our, our last one, let's get a little bit into our advancement discussion and sure. take it up a level. Take it up a level. Take it up a level. Yeah, I know. I hate it. Um, <laughs> every time I have to say it, I'm like, this is dumb. Um, so in this segment, we like to talk about both character advancement and character growth. Mm-hmm. So to start off, um, how does a character like quote unquote level up in Ryutama and then kind of what changes mechanically as that happens? Sure. And I have a cheat sheet just Ooh. for that. Look oh, at me look at with my GM notebook. So yeah, so there is an experience point system. Um, basically, if you are rolling against terrain, right, like you're doing your travel checks, uh, you get xp according to the topography that you're going through so topography is your terrain plus weather so you could have like grasslands and rain or Mm. mountains and snow and each of those have like a number that correlates you add them together and people have to roll against that number so basically if you're rolling a target number that used to be is like five to seven you'll get 100 xp the next bracket is eight to ten 200 11 to 13 300 and if you're rolling 14 higher you get 500 uh xp uh but that's really difficult terrain like that's like you're climbing up the mountain and it's it's ice Mm. um and then every time a ryujin uses a benediction ability you get 50 xp Mm. And then if there is a monster that you defeated, you would get XP uh, 10 times the level of the highest monster level that you defeated. So in my game, my players, and this is why I, I was we did a lot of home rule stuff, they didn't like to fight monsters all the time, mostly because I made every monster a monster that was just misunderstood and not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they didn't like have like fighting things and so i said if you can find other ways around doing the monster i will still give you xp mm-hmm. you don't have to defeat it you just have to overcome it somehow yeah and if they didn't have a monster and it was a social situation a social problem i gave them xp for social reasons as well but that's mm-hmm. me again you know looking for that more right like yep. this didn't have it so we had to make it up um So that as you're leveling your character, um, you will get new uh, abilities and you get to increase certain things. Uh, So basically, your HP and MP are increased. Each level that you gain, you get three points to divide between the two. So if you went from level one to level two, you have three points. You can put all three into your HP Mm. or you can put all three into your MP or you can do a split of some sort. Okay. Um. Also, that your carrying capacity will increase by one as well. Uh, And then depending on the um, uh, level that you're at, you get to, you get new abilities. So if you go to level two, 
you get to increase one stat. You get this ability called Faint and Search During Combat. Um, and then there's just a whole chart that goes up, right? So like to get to level two, you have to get 100 XP. To get to level three, you have to have 600 XP mm. and then so on and so forth. And then you uh, get like weather or terrain specialty. So like at level three, you can say, I'm, I walked through so much grassland now that I am just um, like immune to grassland effects, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like you get an immunity um, or you become specialized in it. And then, like, there's also, like, status effect immunity. We didn't talk about status effects, but that's fine. Uh, I think I did. It's related to your condition. I think I did it in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get an extra class. You could become a farmer minstrel if you wanted to, or you could become a... You sing art- to your tomatoes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then you could also, at some point, get an extra type. So you could be, you know, a minstrel farmer a technical attack type um Uh or just double up you can also choose to just double up that stuff you don't have to multi-class um i have never ever gotten our character to level nine which is they get the favor of the seasonal dragons but yeah Uh 10 is the highest you can go and that's it that's that's leveling up it's again very small scale very simple um and my group also was like i want that more they were like i want more than just getting an extra class yeah only just an extra class of the original seven that we have yeah which especially when you already like potentially have another one of those in the party too right exactly absolutely yeah with four people uh if you all take a second class somebody's gonna overlap at some point right which makes sense interesting uh is there any like narrative uh implications for the loving oppressors or so it's just like here's what you get enjoy here's what you get enjoy um (laughs) yeah that's definitely a thing that my players had to we had to also like it's like why do i why am i why am i now like specialized in forest yeah like we didn't go through forest so i guess it only makes sense to do grassland and they're like but i want to choose forest and it's like well make it stretch i somehow did you read about it someplace that doesn't make sense though you know yeah mm-hmm. exactly this is the i, I learned how to sail going through a dungeon yes. right. example right. that we yes. constantly point at so mm-hmm. yeah it's uh <laughs> yeah it, again a game of its time right yep um they they haven't really done anything like that until like you know early to mid uh, teens uh, of the 2000s and it's like that's a relatively recent concept in role playing uh, to to have the narrative growth along with the uh, the mechanical stuff yeah yeah yep so there there you go pretty straightforward leveling system at the very yep. least yeah. um and and going into it expecting it to to level kind of like a jrpg uh really is is what you need to do at that point because again jrpg is notorious for i leveled up here's six mind five strength 10 hit points and you get one extra spell and not now now have fun being stronger for the next stuff that happens yeah okay (laughs) okay Well, I mean, we we did a lot of critical analysis of this game. 
Um, and and is is there anything else that we want to say? I know this is one of your favorite games, Amber. Um, is there anything else that you want to just throw out about the game? Yeah, why, I why mean, should I, people play this game? Why I think it's because it's like for me as a as a GM and my brain, I like creating things, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So for me, this was the perfect like I just needed some sort of system that was simple enough for me to like. I don't want to sweat the um the like this all of the like D&D stuff. Like I don't want to think about all the math. I don't want to think like mm-hmm. pick strength, pink spirit, let's roll these two, let's go. I really like the de- the dice like your 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 stats are your dice. Mm-hmm. And for me, I do like journey stuff. Like the yeah. like I'm playing this game to talk about and describe the vistas you're going through or like little things that you're going to be interacting with and that kind of stuff. It's not that that's why it's my, my, my favorite in that that's the focus of this game. If I wanted to play a social interaction game, I would be going to play something different. Mm -hmm. But for me, this is all about how describing environment. Like I like, um, I was able to inject my own, like how I interact with games like mm-hmm. JRPGs and um, those adventure puzzle games, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you come, you go into this area and you find X yeah. and then you get to go, Ooh, what is X? I'm looking at X. I, I push X when I pick it up, you know, like, right. That is what this game is. And you can tell it through the character creation, the like no setting, mm-hmm. the very light mechanic rule stuff, how you have to like kind of like mold things the way you want it. So that's why I love this game. Yeah. Because it's 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 just enough to give me the GM things to play with, but it's not a social interaction game. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. a travel game. And so if people come to Retama and go, ooh. I'm going to have a cute like studio Ghibli. Exp- like, you're going to have to you're going to have to make that like mm-hmm. as a group, as a GM. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have these like as if you've been if you've listened this far to the podcast, you like we said, we've been very critical of it. There is not that like making uh, interpersonal bonds with each other that is mm-hmm. not propped up. That will just happen kind of naturally if you have a good group of role players mm-hmm. and there is a lot of work so that is why you want to play Ryotama if you yeah. feel that kind of feeling that I have like I want to make things I like JRPGs mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to put a lot of creative work into it I have to build my own world um that's what Ryotama is for it, it really feels like Ryotama was a stepping stone in the progression of uh the evolution of uh role-playing games right right it's it's got the rules light which was kind of sparse for the time it's it's got collaborative world building which was sparse for the time it's got all these like like precursor elements of Mm -hmm. some of the greatest things we've got in the indie scene nowadays Mm -hmm. uh so absolutely i can i can see the importance of this game especially when you consider it was released in 2007 
Um, and, and the journey, uh, sounds really fascinating. And it, and again, for everything, everybody that I've talked to that has played and loved this game says it is right. so cozy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah that- I mean, I mean, like to give it an idea of like some of the adventures that I would write is literally like this family needs you to collect cranberries to make juice. Mm-hmm. This person wants your help shearing their sheep for this you know thing mm-hmm. um my minstrel he would write songs to sing when they would and he would actually like perform them as they were walking through mm-hmm. um and that's the kind of stuff that i was making up for this game and like it's it's the the aesthetic the feel the journey the the rules that are pointed it's it's trying to get you to tell those kinds of like yeah. smaller stories like not that. like big world like yeah ending there's a prophecy and you need to fulfill this in your destiny it's like right. nah, these people just want to get some berries it's low stakes <laughs> right it's nice yeah. i like that well which is yeah it's nice sometimes like it's it's low stress it's you yeah know, which sometimes i think we all need in our lives <laughs> absolutely <laughs> uh and, and if uh the creators of Ryutama are listening uh you know a second edition uh mm. not a bad idea just saying <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you need somebody to help you with your character sheet uh-huh. <laughs> uh we we happen to know a person who is quite good at uh that that whole process behind character sheets so uh yeah. just say it well <laughs> amber thank you so much for joining us uh to talk about Ryotama. this was fantastic thank you i i i <laughs> I had a great time. Like I uh, haven't realized uh, it's been several hours right? <laughs> since yeah. we started talking because uh, I love this. I love talking about game stuff and I am okay with being critical about the things that I love. Absolutely. I always say though that like I think the more you love something almost like the easier it is to like to see those like niggly bits, yes. you know, like all the places where it's like, oh, like you're so cl- it doesn't quite work because you are so familiar with it and you mm-hmm. you know it so deeply and so mm-hmm. well um, that I think a lot of times the criticism isn't from a place of like, I don't like it. It's just it comes from a place of familiarity more yeah. than mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, can you remind everybody where they can find you online and what sort of things you're working on? Yeah, so rocketorca.com that's my website where you can see my portfolio for all my graphic design stuff my blog posts about character sheets i'll try to get that up sooner rather than later so that way you guys can link to people to show them like the journey of character sheets that i did for ryutama um other things i'm doing i uh own a TTRPG indie publishing company called Cloud Curio and we're working on a big project right now that's a GM prep tool. I just talked a lot about how I just love creating things and so I am a person who wants to make things for GMs to be able to use to enhance their games and the big thing we're doing is called Monstrous. It is all about monsters but focusing on the stories behind the stat blocks mm-hmm. there's not going to be a stat block it's system neutral and it's really talking about like the essence of monsters and how to incorporate them for better narrative mm-hmm. uh storytelling and you can find that on our website vcloudcurio.com and then we're cloud curio or cloud curio games on most places and i'm rocket orca on twitter tumblr instagram every social media now yeah. Every social media you can think about, I'm probably on because 
whatever Twitter. <laughs> Who knows where we're going to be, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Same here. It's like, I'll just go grab this handle wherever and probably never use it. But, but just in case. Just, just in, in case. case. But I'm yep. most active on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you again for sitting down with us. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. Call to watch action. Yeah, like that. This was a really interesting discussion. It was. Um, I, we mentioned it a little bit, I think, last time. Mm-hmm. We, we mm-hmm. started to hint at it. But this is, I think, the first time that we've kind of come up like lukewarm on a game. There have been a couple that we yeah. covered with Jeff and John that we knew were going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And then the majority of them we were really excited about. Mm-hmm. And so this is the first time I think we've come up kind of like, hmm, on a game. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and it's it's honestly only in this initial character creation sort of process. Like, like we, we, we went by the book and use the character sheets and and whatnot from the book Mm -hmm. and and the process was just a little clunkier than it needed to be and yeah um i i think with a little bit of home rules and your own character sheets um this this game is probably a little bit more accessible uh and uh it sounds like it's still a lot of fun to play right yeah, I keep hearing from people that it's a lot of fun. For me, it was about the fact that we came out of doing that character creation and I just didn't feel like super attached to yeah. things mm-hmm, because we, mm-hmm. we didn't know anything about the world and, you know, which we kept coming back to the fact that like, oh, you're supposed to do that as you play, but I'm just like not, yeah. I'm it's not interesting. seeing it. It's very interesting. So, um, I, yeah. I, I still think, I, I, I'm personally kind of attached to the idea of the idea that we came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, like, I think like we're a level removed, right? Right, because I felt like we very much had to like shoehorn we my did. character in, too. Yeah, um, that's which fair. Was kind of like, and I didn't make anything like crazy and out there, mm-hmm. you know. So it just, yeah, didn't. I get that. I think maybe like yours just clicked really well, and exactly. mine was like a little harder. But but you know, it was still fun. It was a good discussion, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that we did it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we really got to get into like the character sheet stuff too. Yeah, exactly. And and if anything, uh, it, it'll prove to be, a, I think, a good reminder for game designers out there to take a look at these sort of things because, like, uh, goodness, we 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 they want matter. to we yeah they matter, and we want to learn from mistakes made by both ourselves and others and improve upon everything Absolutely. that's come before. So definitely, there you go. In January, we are going to be releasing a series where Ryan and I sit down and talk about everything we did in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so not not a new game, but no. we decided to recap the things that we've covered, uh, the games, the characters we've made, and then we go through and discuss favorite things that happened in 2022. Mm-hmm. Our, our top world building moments, our favorite mechanics, our favorite characters which i forced ryan to pick even though he was like i love all my children equally that's my babies (laughs) um we also get to talk about what we're looking forward to in 2023 Mm -hmm. we would love to hear your favorite things from our 2022 catalog Mm -hmm. though i always like knowing what clicked with people and what things they they got something out of Mm -hmm. or what things just tickled them yeah so you can share those with us on our Discord server. It's discord.charactercreationcast.com. 
or any of our other various social media accounts. Yeah. Find us all over the place. But you can go ahead and tag us. And if you want, you can use the hashtag C3 in 2022. There you go. As mentioned in our opening, some of you may have noticed ads in your feed. Uh, This is part of the OneShot Network's move to Megaphone, uh, our new hosting service. Revenue from these ads are are going to help fund the network and its shows like ours. Uh, And if you want uh, a more thorough overview of what this means and why this happened, uh, James actually released a bonus episode over on the campaign feed the campaign feed that we will link in the show notes. Uh, It's only about six minutes and it's very informative. Uh, The ads don't cover all of our costs though. So we do also have a Patreon for the show. Uh, And if you do not like ads at all, uh, you can actually get access to an ad free episode feed uh, by becoming a patron of character creation cast at the side quest level, uh, the $5 level and up. Uh, you'll get access to uh, this and a whole bunch more. We have levels available from $1 a month all the way to $50 a month if you wanted. Um, and tons of benefits available, including bonus episodes, weekly chit-chat conversations between Ryan and I just talking about life, mm-hmm. uh, monthly Zoom calls to hang out with other patrons. So much fun. And potentially even private games with us if you want. Yeah. You can find all of that at patreon.com slash character creation cast. Plus, if you join, we get to read your name and say thank you out loud on every episode, like right now. Yes. Uh, So we would like to thank all of our continuing patrons, starting with Lieutenant, our first patron. Thank you so much. DJG, a.k.a. Tigranosaurus, thank you for your continued support. Eric Bonds, you rock, thank you. Matt Newton, thank you so much. Shadim Cabal, thank you for your continued support. Daryl Holiday II, thank you so much. Thank you to the shyest barbarian. Benjamin Sweeney, we appreciate your support. Lorcan McGinnis, thank you for your continued support. Rob Fletcher, you are amazing. Thank you so much. Kevin Brown, we're happy to have you here with us. Thank you. Tentacle duck. (laughs) Thank you for your support. (laughs) Uh, We appreciate your support so much. John Adamus, thank you. A3 Sketchpad, so many thanks to you. Thank you also to all of our future patrons, just in advance. Mm -hmm. Um, You all truly make it easier for us to make the show, and we are so grateful for all of your support. Um, If you aren't able to chip in financially, though, you can still do us a huge favor by leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, and Podcast Addict, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, We read every five-star review on our episodes. For example, this one. Yeah, this one comes in from Vince Basile on Facebook. I hope we got your name right. Uh, Vince wrote, This is a great pod for getting a feel for different RPGs. Each series covers creating characters with a guest who plays or actually made the game. Amelia and Ryan are great together. They are a bit of yin and yang in their characters and complement each other in their approaches. I have listened since nearly the beginning and the chemistry between them continues to work and grow. 
I really appreciate the pods with actual play guests, see Blades in the Dark, to get me into games and other podcasts. If I could leave a rating on CastBox where I listen, it would be five out of five. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, friends. This was a, a really lovely review to get. It was. It was really nice. Yeah. I I love that you appreciate our chemistry. I do, too. <laughs> I like our chemistry. I like our chemistry, too. I do feel like in the last year we've really... We've really come into our own uh-huh. on that one. <laughs> so, thank you so much, Vince. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all that we have for 2022, everybody. Uh, it's it's weird to say that, but goodness gracious, um, if if the stars align, we might have one more bonus thing coming out next week. Uh, so for our patrons, so for at least one dollar, uh, you can you can get access to that too. Um, so. Have a good rest of your year, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you join us in 2023. And goodness. I know. It feels so weird. It's like 2022 is over. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Drink some water. uh, Relax your shoulders. Maybe uh, set a New Year's resolution to listen to more podcasts. Yeah. And, you know, keep making those amazing people. We'll see you next time. Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can be found on Twitter at CreationCast or on our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter at Ginger Reckoning or on my other podcast, Garbage of the Five Rings. Our other host, Ryan Bolter, can be found on Twitter at Lord Neptune or online at lordneptune.com. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast it originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero Remix by Steve Combs and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us, under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by the absolutely fantastic Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game system used in today's guests can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, extra outtakes, and much, much more at patreon.com slash character creation cast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time. I did it. I did too, but I lost my clicky. What? I lost my E at the end. It's not going to be authentic anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I don't know. Did I click too late? That's the problem. Oh, close I'll figure enough. it out. One sec here. I'll figure it out. So like I printed out uh, when I first started a 11 by 17. Uh, let, me, let me say it again because my chair just creaked. Sorry.
So when I first started GMing, I... Mm, let me say it again. Sorry. No, you're fine. I hear, is that a plane going overhead? I don't hear anything. Why do you hear things? I don't know. I hear a rumble. Maybe it's going over your head. Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe. Sorry, I'm giggling because Ryan's cat is walking on the keyboard <laughs> and like typing things in the outline. I'm like, what am I doing? No, okay. Sorry. That can go in the outtakes later where it's just like a bunch of numbers. And <laughs> it's like, no, what are you doing? Hi, I'm Peaches. Uh, he is thirsty. Let me turn on his water for a little bit. Uh, it won't okay. be too much background noise. It gives me go. time to drink some coffee. I know. Like soft spa sounds maybe in the background for Ryan with his little cat water oh. fountain. There Fancy thing there that he's turning go. on with his phone. And his... I could turn it on with my phone. What? I, I, I have it plugged into a, a smart outlet. Oh, that, So it's yeah. not the fountain that's smart. It's the outlet that the it's outlet. plugged into. Yes. I'm not that fancy. <laughs> that's like probably an extra hundred bucks for a water fountain for a cat. <laughs> and it has okay. like lights in it. I know, right? <laughs> but Mr. Peaches would be worth it. He would be worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a very sweet cat. I know. He's adorable. And I don't even usually like cats. It's going to be out there. Like everyone, Amelia doesn't really like cats. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm severely allergic to them. I know. Aww. They like me just fine. I, which is part of the problem, really. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cat is just meowing at me up a storm right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure what he needs. He's got water. <laughs> he's got food. Attention. He's got comfy bed. He's too far away for attention. He's just meowing at uh. me. <laughs> what you doing, man? He, I did it. There is. I made sure to elongate my E at the end there. You so I actually it. got it this time on the ball. Okay. There we go. And we're done. Ooh, we did it. Stop the recording. Stop.